Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements. Anything you could think of to support your outdoor activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members to get your first month free. This podcast episode is brought to you by 14th Star Brewing Co. 14th Star is a veteran-owned Vermont craft brewery on a mission to brew world-class beer while enriching their community. We are partnering with 14th Star while we spend February and March in Vermont highlighting local makers. Not only does 14th Star make great beer, like their maple oatmeal stout, yes I said maple, but they also have a very strong mission to give back to their community and support fellow veterans. 14th Star believes that every person and business has an obligation to give back to try and make the world a better place. If you're in the Northeast, definitely keep an eye out for 14th Star Brewing Co. What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with one of the co-founders of Car, Jamie Grant. Jamie, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you for chatting with me. So for the listener that may not be aware of Carve, how would you best describe it to them? So Carve is a digital ski coach. It's a system that combines both hardware and software. The hardware component is a thin insert that retrofits into your ski boot, and that connects to the app, which provides all the coaching. So what it does is every time you finish a ski run, it gives you a report of how your skiing is doing based on all the analysis of the data from the hardware. And as well as that post-run analysis, you can also get real-time analysis. So as you're skiing, it's giving you cues and feedback um, as if you had a coach kind of over radio, but as your own personal coach. So as soon as you finish a turn, you might have a comment saying, lean forward or try and get your edge in. And so we tried to create this kind of digital real-time experience to really accelerate the speed that people can actually get better at skiing. That's so interesting. So how did, how did you come up with the idea for Carve? So um, I was actually doing my PhD in financial economics, and um, I was looking at statistical techniques, essentially applying machine learning to financial markets. And I just got really excited by using all these clever techniques but in a real-world setting. So rather than looking at financial data, I wanted to look at real-world data, and um, I always loved skiing. And so I got very curious about trying to use clever statistics and machine learning in a, in a skiing setting. And that's, that's a very, yeah, from there we saw obviously a lot of steps, but that's how we started. So tell me a little bit about your background. You grew up skiing, and that's sort of where this idea kind of came from? Yeah, so as you saw here, I'm from the UK. Um, yeah, I started skiing kind of in my late teens. 
Um, so I wouldn't say grew up skiing. Obviously, it's a little bit harder in the UK. And then uh, for my undergraduate degree, I did it in physics. So that kind of gave me an understanding of you know, the physical world. And I did a lot of skiing during my undergraduate. And then for my PhD uh, degree, I did financial economics. And that gave me a kind of statistical background. And so, yeah, I would sort of say sort of combining the skiing, the physics, and the statistics kind of led me towards um, Carl. So you come up with this idea. How long did it take you to really prototype it to then being able to launch your Kickstarter in 2016? Yeah, that definitely took quite a while. So I think... I started, I, I had the basic idea in 2014 um, when I was actually studying for my PhD. And then during that time, I met my co-founder when we were both at university. And uh, we were both studying, we were both like full-time studying. And then we kind of started playing with the idea. And then we started, we basically came up with the idea for an app. And then we tried it in sort of 2014 as a basic app. We were still both studying, so we didn't have too much time to try and help people get better at skiing with just an app. And then early 2015, we kind of realized that the app wasn't enough and we needed a physical piece of electronics to go into people's boots so we could actually understand how they're skiing. And um, we were both studying. And then in the summer of 2015, um, basically, we, um, we got to the stage where we could actually uh, you know, work full time on the project. And that's when uh, we, we, we first kind of got investment. And then from there... Uh, we kind of came up with the idea and we tweaked a little bit so we could actually, and we worked on it for about six, seven months, so we could actually launch it in uh, the winter of 2016, so um, February 2016 on, on, on Kickstarter. Now, from your original idea to what Carve is today, did anything really change? Like, did you have any ideas of what you wanted it to be like slash do? And then over time, you just sort of, uh, it changed to what it is now? Yeah, so I think high level, our mission has always been to make a fun experience to get people better at skiing. And, and really that has never changed. Um, but obviously the ways that we could do that has kind of evolved. Um, so I think, I think, you know, when we first started, we weren't as focused on this kind of real-time coaching idea. But then, um, you know, we thought it would be good to give people stats and statistics. Um, but then we, as we kind of looked at other kind of products in the market, um, we got really excited about this, this real-time um, way of doing it and how that could really create a very like accelerated learning experience, which is also fun. Um, so yeah, uh, we started with also the same mission, but trying to getting there has obviously kind of evolved over time. Now, when you decided to create a insert that goes into someone's ski boots, were you at all worried about altering um, someone's ski boots? Because I know, like in skiing, like people are very uh, finicky about doing anything tampering or so to their ski boot and potentially uh, causing some sort of um, pressure points or hot spots in their boots. Yeah, so we tried to. Um, so yeah, so there's two kind of ways to approach that. The first is. When we designed the product, we really thought a lot about how people use boot warmers. And, um, you know, people do make adjustments to the boots so they can fit the boot, the boot warmer in. And so for the very top skiers, we, we kind of looked at how they did it and tried to sort of be cognizant of those, of those uh, processes. And then the other way is we just, we just made the sensor very thin. So um, we generally find that for consumers, um, like an average kind of skier, 
they wouldn't um, they don't really change the boots at all. And then if you're if you have like a fully custom molded um, setup, maybe your racing skier, then we'll find that they will make the same kind of adjustments that you would to a boot if you put a boot warmer in. Um, so yeah, it, it is something we're aware of. And for the, for the intermediate skiers, we find it's not not so much a problem. And for the advanced skiers, they tend to really be making adjustments to their boots, so they'll um, add these adjustments to the current ones they're doing. So going into the Kickstarter in 2016, um, what did you do to really help get the word out there um, to create such a successful campaign? I mean, you you generated uh, you know $275,000 on Kickstarter. Is there anything that you guys did that you would attribute a large amount of that success to? Uh, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and yeah, we were really blown away by the Kickstarter because... Um, yeah, just to sort of pre- uh, preface that, like before that campaign, um, there was like none of the sports products had ever got above about 250. And, you know, those are running products. We thought, you know, running is a much bigger market. So skiing goes up smaller and, you know, we can maybe hope for kind of 50 or 60K. So, yeah, it really did surprise us. And I think what we did is, uh, what we did well was we were just kind of perfectionists, I think, when it came to video. And, um we really tried to think, um, you know, what is like the value proposition for a customer? Um, why would someone buy this? Um, and then once we had that, once we had some, some compelling features, um, which obviously we're working on already, but just the way we ordered them, then we thought very carefully about um, essentially bringing someone through the whole video so that uh, you know, in the first few seconds, it's very compelling. And then that kind of leads you through and then, um, essentially like looking at a lot of things where you trying to make a kind of exciting advert um, and then bringing people through the whole video, which is actually quite a long video. Um, so yeah, the main, the main thing is, is, is getting everything, is summing everything right into a very compelling video. And um, I think once you have that compelling video, then a lot of, you know, your Kickstarter page and, and all the things around it and all the marketing and all the, the ads and things on Facebook kind of follow through. But you need to, yeah, you really need to think about how you can make um, playing compelling and yeah, well, video compelling. That's a really good point. It's funny before actually trying Carve, I always thought that it was it would be kind of a laborious process to get set up. But then once I got it, it really only takes like a couple of minutes to get it in your in each of your boots. And yeah, you're right in the fact that like you don't really notice it being in your boot. Like there's like I didn't really feel any sort of hot spots or pressure points or anything like that. Um, which I'm sure probably took a while to sort of figure out, um, you know, what the best way to, uh, create this is. Cause the, the, the footbed is pretty thin. Um, you know, how, how long did it take you to really, uh, hone in and fine tune, um, the sensors and then making sure that it felt right? Like, I'm sure that must've taken a really long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It took a lot of time. And when we started working on the project, we, we worked a lot with racing skiers and um, yeah, their, their feedback was always like, make it thinner, make it thinner. So it, it used to be kind of about five millimeters, um, which is, yeah, if you give that to a racing skier, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, and now, <laughs> and um, yeah, they're kind of looking at, whoa. Um, and now, yeah, and now it's just a bit over one millimeter. Um, and so really, yeah, and, and we, we read everything from the ground up. So in, yeah, so in, 2015, we actually moved to China. So um, we basically moved, moved, moved to China and we, we couldn't really find any products uh, on the market that would 
would do anything remotely close to what we wanted. So we we very lucky in that we got investment from US BC, but they have a kind of office in China, in Shenzhen. And basically from from the office in Shenzhen, kind of swelling away in the summer, we uh, we were testing all these products, these huge electronic electronics markets where you can literally buy anything. And we just started prototyping and uh, playing with the electronics, testing different components, looking at the responsiveness, checking the reliability of them um, over that kind of summer, culminating in skiing tests uh, in sort of September, October, um, with the, the US ski team, so David Riding, um, who's now actually done quite well recently, and a lot of the, um, the freestyle, sorry, a, a lot of the uh, ski cross skiers from Italy and Slovenia. And basically, um, and then we took their feedback and we went back to China, worked for another, uh, over the winter in China, um, to a stage where we were kind of happy, essentially, with the, with the product. But it did, it did take a lot of iterations and because we actually went to the ground up. So we didn't just like buy something off the shelf. We actually took the chips from the factories in China and, and tried to understand how to use them in quite an unusual way uh, that hasn't really been done before. And all of this was before you launched the Kickstarter in 2016? Yes, yeah, so that's a very good point. And I think like many companies, we launched our Kickstarter and uh, we had the basics of the product. And then, uh, you know, and then as, as soon as we finished the Kickstarter, we started to actually sort of take all that learning to production. Then that became like a huge other step. So, you know, it's one thing to make the prototype and that prototype has pretty much the same sensors in, in many ways to the final product, but a lot of the things had to change to make it a lot more robust and then to make it, you know, to be, to be able to manufacture sort of tens of thousands of units. Um, so, yeah, that, that's essentially, so after the Kickstarter, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> so you're right, yeah, two, two, two major phases. So to begin with, you came up with the idea and then you went out and raised some capital to sort of go through the whole R&D process. And then once that was finished, you then uh, raise, you then took it to Kickstarter to then officially validate the idea completely. Is that kind of the process? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we had, um, yeah, essentially we raised um, um, investment from SOS Ventures um, and then um, that was enough to kind of uh, grow our team to three, and then there's kind of three of us um, were just working on that prototype that we could then launch on Kickstarter. Hey everyone, just a quick thank you to our sponsor who helps make the Ready Eddy podcast possible, Sideline Swap. Being an outdoorsy person usually means that you buy and accrue a silly amount of gear to support your activities. As time goes by and you get new gear, why not sell your old gear to help cover the cost of that new gear? This is where Sideline Swap comes in. You can post your skis, snowboard, or any outerwear in a couple minutes and make back some of the money that you spent on that gear. Not to mention, if you're trying to get a loved one or friend into skiing or riding, which we all know is expensive, you can find awesome gear on SidelineSwap.com for a great deal. Some products are even up to 70% off. For more info, you can head over to sidelineswap.com. Interesting. So what did you take to investors when you had this original idea? Like, obviously, you must have had some level of prototype completed before you had the investment. And then having that investment just allowed you to sort of take it to the next level. Uh, the prototype we had when we went to investors was very basic. <laughs> so, 
Uh, we were skiing on a dry slope in uh, the UK. Um, obviously, we didn't have much budget then. But um, yeah, we had a very basic demo where we bought off-the-shelf off the sensors um, and with an Arduino. And we basically connected those up to a phone, to an iPhone. And then we had a video uh, of me skiing down. And then um, you could see the three pressure points. And then you could see a kind of overlay of my path with where the pressure was being put. And um, I think, yeah, we sent that to the investors. And yeah, thankfully, <laughs> that was enough to get them excited. Uh, but that was with kind of off the shelf. Like we didn't do any hardware. We just kind of played with Arduinos, which are kind of things you can buy online just for maybe $30, $40. Um, and then when we went to China, then we really got into electronics. So, um, you know, like the PCB, like the stuff you have inside your computer, those green boards, uh, we started designing those specifically. Um, we started, like, choosing the individual chips and, like, matching them up with the PCB and designing the circuitry. Um, so a lot more advanced than we kind of first had for that investor pitch. Okay, so you, you launched a Kickstarter, you raised $275,000. What has the growth been like since that point till now? Yeah, so we've pretty much been able to do like two, two or three X growth, two, two or three X growth like year on year, uh, which has been great. Um, and um, obviously, yeah, looking to, to keep that um, momentum going forward. And uh, yeah, so when we launched Kickstarter, we had a team of three. Uh, we now have a team of nine, uh, actually ten, as of yesterday, um, and sort of hopefully in the next uh, sort of two or three years, we're going to expand to about twenty people. What did you guys do to really help get the word out there? Is it mostly direct to consumer, or are you sold in some retail shops? Yeah, so really, we've been um, focused on direct to consumer. Uh, we really like it because, at least as a starting point, because um, it's meant that we've kind of like kept that whole user relationship. So we can understand like who the user is, like when they come to our website, maybe they see an ad on Facebook. And then from there, we kind of keep that relationship. So if they have problems with speaking to us, that means that we can like quickly like improve the software because we're constantly talking to our users and, um, and, 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 and controlling that relationship. So that, that's been great. And then over the coming years, uh, we, we essentially want to move, want to scale that by going to distribution. So, um, we're looking to do distribution partnerships in the coming year and then uh, to sort of scale that significantly in, 2020, uh, in 2021. What's been the hardest part about starting and building Carve? Um, I really say uh, it's, it's kind of like a combination of things. Um, I think essentially we have like a hardware and a software product and there's just so many elements to the business. So, you know, we make it in China, we have an office in China, uh, we have to ship the stuff in from China to Europe and to the US. We have all the customs complexities. And then you have to distribute it. Then you have like just just all these like every every element kind of additional layer of complexity. Um you have software. The, the, the product's quite it's a complicated product. So you have something in your boots and that communicates that's running code. So you, you know, you're, you're actually ski boots, once you set up with the product, you're actually they're constantly processing the you know, the data. So they're running a certain type of code on that. And then that's been sent to your phone. Um, that's running a different type of code that has to all work in real time. And um, and then we have like yeah, so that's all processed on your phone. Then you have the user experience on the phone, which is very important. There's the experience of actual coaching, which we're trying to optimize to make it fun and exciting. Um, and then everything interacts with our service. We have to make sure that properly set up as well as having support. So whereas like I find that some businesses will have 
to one kind of focus. Like maybe they'll just do software for businesses. Um, with Carb, like I feel like you really, it's very, very, yeah, you really do everything. Um, which is, which is great because <laughs> you learn a lot and it's exciting uh, to, have, to control that whole experience. But obviously, um, you know, it's, it means you have to have, always be thinking about many different things at the same time, uh, which makes it hard. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Doing a hardware and a software company at once is definitely not an easy thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for realizing that. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made up to this point with Carve? Uh, so one big mistake we did was uh, we significantly scaled our, our production and um, our sales this year, which was great. But uh, our, our, our choice of logistics partner just wasn't right, and they just didn't scale with the business at all. And, um, and that meant, you know, there was a number of customers over the Christmas period who just didn't get their carb unit for Christmas. And, um, yeah, it's just, just so, yeah, you know, and the, the mistake was ours. We should have just chosen their logistics partner. We should have made sure they're properly integrated with our systems. And, um, and you know, they had the capacity to, 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 to keep up with demand. Um, and, and, yeah, obviously that's really, it's a really horrible experience for our customers to not have product for Christmas. And you know, it's a Christmas present for someone. Um, obviously, there's nothing on the Christmas day. So, um, yeah, that was a really, it was a really tough few weeks over Christmas. Oh, man, I can only imagine the stress. How do you guys remedy that? I mean, obviously, service is really key in that situation. Yeah, so um, in that situation, just, just be transparent. Um, you know, when uh, essentially, when they when they're messing up, we just told people, look, it's not going to come in time. Do you want a refund or do you want to you send it to after Christmas? And um, just trying to manage it as best as possible. And then some people, you know, got the product to me and then because it was too late so like maybe they were going skiing at Christmas then we obviously took the product back for a full refund so yeah try to try to be on customer support as much as possible and um, sort of be transparent with people and um, yeah you know it's, uh, if it was shipped too late then be, be happy to take a take a return product for a full refund what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business whether it was in the outdoor space or just a business in general um, I think whatever you do, you really need to, to focus. And um, yeah, the first thing is to focus. Just you know, choose to be clear about what you want to achieve, and um, not be distracted by things. There's many, there's many different things that can pull you in different ways. And um, essentially, although it might seem very lucrative, or there might be some deal you want to do that's not your core focus, it's important to to be really careful that um, it's not taking you from the bigger picture because, you know, the thing you're working on should be a, a big idea. Um, and then the second one is, I'd, I'd say, really to just try and hire the very best people you can. And, um, yeah, because you, cause you're going to need very good people to, uh, to get the product out. Where do you see Carve in the next year, five years, ten years down the road? Yeah, so the, the exciting thing to me is to, to really create a, a holistic, uh, coaching experience that just really adds to people's skiing, and um, we would love to be kind of considered like the, the go-to device to improve your skiing. Um, so, amongst you know, amongst some people in cycling, um, you've got like these pedals, people that really help people understand their performance. You've got apps like Strava that just very pervasive, and we want to kind of be that kind of level of. Uh, usage and sort of well known 
in, in the industry, but for actually helping people improve techniques. Um, and so first we start with carbs and we want to actually broaden it to other products, but other sort of sports. But for now, we're focused on uh, skiing because we really want to get that right. We really want to make a very powerful uh, teaching experience. Now, that sort of makes me think of another question. Um, you know, with skiing, is it being a, an expensive sport? And then obviously getting lessons and all that kind of stuff makes it even more expensive. At what stage of your skiing is it uh, appropriate to start using carve? Like, would you could you see someone who's never really skied before, maybe only gone a couple times using it and finding value out of it? Or is it really perfect for that um, intermediate advanced skier? Yeah, no, no, it's definitely not for the beginner skier. And um, yeah, sometimes you have people ask us, uh, oh, I've never been skiing before, <laughs> should I get carved? And we say no. Um, it's for, you know, you should be comfortable skiing around resort. Um, so maybe maybe not on the blacks or the double diamonds, I think you call them in the States. Um, but generally, like, comfortable getting around the kind of the blues and the, and the reds uh, in the resort. And then um, essentially just really want to improve. So that kind of like intermediate skier. Um, that's our kind of core body. And then uh, we also have, and that's kind of where we targeted the product. We also have it because we work with a lot of coaches and instructors in the development of the product. We've also developed a kind of subset of the overall product, which is aimed at the, the more advanced user. And that's, and, and you'll see that if you look around the app, you'll see essentially you can drill down into the actual numbers and the, like the detailed data. And that's for, um, for instance, like instructors who are trying to pass their PSA exams and maybe they're not symmetrical. So they will literally listen to the, the inside-outside pressure on each turn as they ski to try and get a better understanding of their symmetry and try and like kind of even up their turns or maybe it's the edge angle. Um, and that's, um, yeah, so, so, but certainly not the beginners. It's, it's the intermediates and, and the advanced skiers. Yeah, I figured as much. And it's interesting because I'm sure the amount of savings someone could have because they're not spending a lot of money going into lessons because they can then just do this one-time purchase and then use it for you know however long that they want to use it. It definitely brings down the overall cost of um, skiing and having in some kind of instruction. Um, so I wouldn't, I, I certainly wouldn't say the car is a substitute for lessons. Um, but I think I think the real benefit that we can have is, um, you know, for most people, it's, it's it's totally impossible for them to have lessons every time they ski. And the great thing about Carve is that you can always have something giving you feedback on your technique. And then when you do see maybe Carve is, is highlighting a problem in your skiing, then you can then you can actually get a lesson to um, to, to help with that bit. And our view is that essentially by raising awareness of of technique in skiing. Um, we can actually, you know, we've seen many cases where people have actually started skiing with carb. Maybe they've never left it for a long time, and then carb will like highlight a problem in their skiing, and uh, they'll actually like take a lesson. So uh, specifically to, to sort of address that problem, and then and then they can see that data change uh, with the, you know, really accelerate that kind of certain part of the data with the with the lessons. So we kind of we kind of see a kind of two sided relationship. Um, yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, what's the best part about running Carve? Uh, the really great part is when it's, it's, it's very simple, really. So some people write to us on support and they say, 
it's, yeah, it's been great and it's really improved my skiing and I've had like a really fun time and I felt like my skiing's, you know, really like stepped up. And um, yeah, for us, that's, that's our kind of goal is, is essentially helping people get more out of the sport. And um, yeah, so that's, a, that's the best bit. Well, I I, uh, I think it's really interesting what you guys are doing, and um, I think there's definitely a lot of ways in which it can really help people skiing, like you're saying, kind of supplementing it with good instruction. Um, now, if anyone's listening to this podcast before March 12th, you can actually enter to win um, a setup from Carve, along with a ton of other uh, ski and snowboard gears. So you can head over to Ready Yeti for your chance to to uh, win that and uh, Jamie I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast share your story share the story of Carve and I'm really excited to see what you guys do in the future thank you very much great to chat if you enjoyed today's podcast episode then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review this really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself and if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Aid Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.